All right. Who doesn't like a good brawl? Well, I have a brawl edition of Mike Drop here, a preview show for two of our basketball programs that we cover here throughout the Pittsburgh Sports Now family of networks, and that is Pitt and also West Virginia. Of course, Pittsburgh Sports Now and WV Sports Now. The regular season is underway, and we are going to touch on what we expect, what our two beat writers expect from these two teams at our network this year, and we'll see how close we get because there's been some wild predictions thrown across for both of these two teams and some wild expectations thrown across for both of these two teams, and they have also fluctuated, certainly on the pit end, to say the very, very least. I'm going to have that conversation here with George Michalowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now and Ethan Bach of WV Sports Now. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Oste, here on Pittsburgh Sports Live, and then this broadcast, of course, going to live on PSN and WVSN, and you can Watch it, watch it as the season progresses and tell us how wrong we were. But we are going to have a brawl broadcast here to preview the season for both of these two teams and discuss the season for both of these two teams already underway, kind of talk our expectations, etc. Especially even with these two teams playing this year. So we are recording this before that matchup, but this is going to encompass what we think of this entire season overall. Now, guys, um, I'm going to get us started with this, and this is something that I think we can get both of you to talk about and get your perspective from both of you. Of course, as I said, we're recording this going into the brawl, and these two programs are at different points, and they're not always at the same points when they meet. And, of course, the football rivalry being rejuvenated here coming up soon next year, but had a, a, a hiatus for a while. And with conference realignment, it's never a guarantee to play anybody and Pitt and West Virginia only separated by 70 miles. Get an I-79 South, and you can be there, even though they're in two different states. They're in the same media market. A lot of people know each other. We're covering both schools here on the network, of course. What do you think this rivalry means to these programs, and how important is it that regardless of the situation for these programs that this game does exist they're not in the same conference there is the hope for some that West Virginia would be in the ACC someday especially with the big 12 chaos but if that happens if that doesn't happen how important is this rivalry for these two schools George in particular from the Pitt perspective you know from the Pitt perspective um, from their point of view right now it's tough to say you know how the rivalry is even going to go down in that locker like you would you would hope right Pit to get fired up by something like this, but in reality, none of their guys have have been through the brawl. It, it doesn't feel like the morale is anything above rock bottom right now um, in the pit locker room. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> just about the West Virginia rivalry. There hasn't really been much of it lately. Obviously, not last year. Um, none of these guys on the roster. You know, most of them are from transfer portal. Yeah, um, Nate Santos, a freshman starter. These guys just haven't seen what it's like to be a part of the backyard brawl. They haven't seen what it's like to play in Morgantown. You know, I saw it's almost a sold out game already. So yeah, sold out. Yep. I don't know. I just don't know how much of an impact the rivalry aspect will have on the pit locker room. I mean, you would obviously hope it will, like I said, but you just don't know right now. What about from the fan base and even the program to keep the rivalry going? That is something that Heather like wants to do. She's made it clear she wants to have this rivalry exist, certainly on the hardwood, regardless of what happens on the gridiron. And yeah, you're going to have a situation, especially basketball wise, even more than football wise, that at this point, 
they really have no connection. They're not from Pittsburgh. They're not from West Virginia. They're not from the region. Same thing on the West Virginia end as well. But you're dealing with tons of transfer players. Basketball-wise, they're going in and out constantly. There's a transfer portal just, just running amok. But is it something that you that's important to the program, to the fan base? You yourself, do you think it's important to the fan base? Because you mentioned the players from the transfer portal. Let's, let's face it, you're giving an honest assessment here. Most of the student body, in fact, the entire student body probably does not have a connection to this rivalry either, unless they're just hearing about it from an older sibling or right. a parent or an older friend or something else like that, knowing about it maybe. I think from the standpoint of the fan base, it, it has to be their only hope right now, especially with the Pitt basketball program, um, with the recent developments, everything that's been going down with them. Yeah. Um, fans, obviously the older fans, you mentioned the students, not a big connection there. Older siblings, maybe. Yeah. Um, the, the older fans, that, that's what they're clinging on to right now. If, if Pitt can somehow squeak out a W in Morgantown, you know, that'll be a bright spot to the season. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're hoping the fan base, it's, it's their last hope. It's the last draw. It's, it's what they want to see, obviously. But I mean, overall, with the players, with the fans, with the younger fans, the students, it just does not feel as much as a big time rivalry as, as Heather like and Pitt would want it to right now. Right. Um, but if Pitt could pull one out, you know, this Friday, um, maybe in the future, next couple of years, win some of them, you know, who knows? It could turn back into a huge rivalry in basketball. Um, but I just think, you know, if the game was at Pitt this Friday, I really don't think it would be near a sellout. That, that's just where the Pitt program stands. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's more about maybe the program and about the situation this year in particular. Right. And we'll get to all that and everything Pitt's had to deal with. And to say that the Pitt program is in flux is an understatement, as you know. So there, it is hard to see excitement around the Pitt program right now. Now, Ethan, on the flip side, Ethan Bach here, WV Sports, now also joining us. There is excitement over the West Virginia basketball team, even with McBride in the NBA and then Culver no longer there. You don't have the prohibited star. You have a good quality group. You have a depth of group. There are some, Joe Lenardi threw out a, a prediction that West Virginia is going to land itself in the Sweet 16, which would be incredible to do it without a star. That's not where they ended up last year, certainly. Some thought maybe that was a disappointing finish. So there is excitement. There's been a whole debate on if the football program doesn't soon turn it around, is it a basketball school because of what Huggins has done and having a 900 win head coach, a hall of fame head coach in Bob Huggins. Is this rivalry is the brawl important to West Virginia to have and to continue fan base player program, et cetera. There certainly is that excitement there. So they don't have to deal with kind of the program being down in the dumps right now but is the brawl something that there's an emphasis and importance over? Oh, definitely. Any, anytime WVU can play a, especially former Big East school or a current ACC school, the fans are going to love it. So I will, I agree with George though. Like um, even on the West Virginia side, only Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil played in the last game against Pitt and um, Jay, like Jalen Bridges, like when yeah. we played Syracuse in March, he didn't, he someone asked him about like did you ever watch any Syracuse WVU games like back in the day and he didn't he had no idea like about any of those games so yeah. the, the players don't have any connection really to this game and I think it's important to bring this rivalry back just because you got you got rivalries like in the country that are like Duke North Carolina Cincinnati Xavier Louisville Kentucky that are just like predominantly like 
that's what college basketball is all about. So I think bringing back this rivalry and getting the players kind of more involved in it will, um, it will bring back like what the backyard brawl always was and what people will remember it as. Yeah. And having the players play in it once you'll see video packages, you'll have media talk about it. You'll see past stories. Maybe then it could reinvigorate something. One rivalry you did mention there that, that I think that could be the blueprint of how to continue a rivalry and keep it going so that everyone cares about it, regardless of conference realignment, is Louisville, Kentucky. Now, that's within a state. West Virginia and Pitt, obviously not within a state, but mm-hmm. they, they have not been in the same conference and they have kept that going. So that is the blueprint of how to do it. But of course, I agree. If you don't play, you're going to lose the connection to it, whether it be players, maybe even fans, certainly the program. It's cool Heather, Heather like cares so much about it because you you know wonder even what her connection is to it bob huggins certainly is very familiar to it and he has taught that to shane lyons it does seem like the two schools care about it they're bringing it back in the football field they got it here on the hardwood so that's important here jordan michalowski of, of, of pittsburgh sports now ethan bach of wv sports now here mike Osti on pittsburgh sports live as we're talking about the brawl we're having a brawl broadcast here and now we're going to talk about these two teams that are going to play in that brawl and yeah, that game's coming up and it's really a must win for West Virginia to keep this season going to get near the expectation that they want Pitt trying to make something happen and, and maybe turn some frowns upside down about what's going on around the program that might reinvigorate something, but just talking about these programs now to, to, to keep it moving here and keep some of this conversation relevant throughout the rest of the season, George, to say that Pitt has dealt with a lot is just not not giving it enough. I mean, obviously, Justin Champagny was not going to be a part of this team this year. Everyone knew that pretty much at the end of last year that he was going to have his sights at the next level. That's not a surprise. Nike Sabandi, though, playing so well down the stretch last year, was supposed to be a major part of this team where he could then step up. He's not going to be there all year because of an ACL injury and because of a surgery. It's unfortunate for him even personally after fighting so hard to get on the court last year. Horton now in doubt to when or if he will play based on his legal troubles and his alleged fight on the south side and how that's going to go down. That's not even the tip of the iceberg, George. So you mentioned how there's not really an excitement around this basketball program what are reasonable expectations for this team now with this current roster? And how is that different from what your expectations were going to be literally as recent as two weeks ago when you right. would have thought at that point, Nike Sabandi, Horton, etc., all these guys were going to be a part of the fold. You knew that Champagny wasn't there, but that's a whole, a totally different, a whole different scenario than this current group, which we've already seen look sluggish, wasn't efficient offensively, didn't even play well defensively, and they should be able to with their length and size. But what are what are the reasonable expectations for this current roster for Jeff Capel's current group in comparison to what maybe you thought they were going to be even a couple of weeks ago with a beefed up roster than what they now have to deal with? So obviously, like you said, they came into the season obviously losing a lot of guys at the portal. Champagne didn't expect him to be back. Yeah. Um, and then this happens. Sabande, Horton, you know, before 
I was I was kind of kind of higher on Pitt. I was I was hoping for um, I was hoping for, you know, 17, 18, above 500, 17, 18 wins. So that was kind of my expectation before. Okay. Now, after those two guys go down, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I want to say 15 wins, but even that, anywhere from 10 to 15 wins for this team, I know it sounds so low, but the, they, those two brought so much to the team. They brought any, they brought all of the outside presence that was on that roster, you know, Sabande was the highest shooting three-pointer shooter on the team last year um, in his limited action. You know, he had games of 23 and 24 in the last two weeks of the season. Like you said, you know, he showed some real promise, uh, worked his way back. He was all ready for this transformation to have a big year. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's a shot creator. You know, he's him and probably Femi Odukale are the only two that can really make their own shot at different parts of the floor. Everyone else is kind of limited. You know, John Hughley's tried to step out to three. Will Jeffress has tried to step out to the three sometimes. It's just not how those guys play. It's not how they're meant to play um, with their styles. And then Horton, obviously, more of a wing guy, kind of camps out on the wing. Um, he's a streaky three-point shooter. He was obviously the threat last year from deep while Sabande was gone. But, you know, he's a massive loss, too, after Sabande because, you know, three games before the season – three days before the season starts, legal troubles happen – even then, when Sabandi was the only one gone, Horton's load, Horton's role would have been massive for this team. He would have had to score. Like, they, they need yeah, scores. Yeah. We saw the other day, you know, Femi Odukala, we were talking before, Femi, John Hughley, they're going to have to both score in, 20, in the 20s every game. You know, that or someone's going to have to step up. You know, their, their supporting cast really didn't do anything the Even if they do score 20 plus, though, is that enough to stop it from being a 10 to 12 bleeding out season? Because we've already seen to this point, they can both get 20 plus and then there's nothing else. And I'm not even exaggerating. We're talking about 27, 20 to five points for the third guy and then nothing from the bench. And that's what we've already seen this year. Obviously, very young as we're recording this. but Right. And and, and Mogi, you know, he could be the third guy. He could be the third scorer. The transfer from Stony Brook. He's shown some promise. You know, it's a, it's an exhibition game against Gannon. You know, he, he played well in that game. He showed some offense, defensive player of the year in his America East last year. But they they need a third score. They need a third and fourth and fifth score is what they really need. But <laughs> for the purposes of winning more than 10 games, you're going to need a third guy who can put up 15 points. And right now it looks like they just don't have that at all. You know, Santos was two for eight, the freshman. He made a nice three to start it off, but then got cold, um, had a nice bucket off the dribble. I saw it. I, I just don't think he's going to be the guy out, out of the gates as a freshman, uh, maybe down the road a couple of years from now, he could be a good shooter for the team. Jeffress, you know, a lot of people look to him to improve this year. You know, he's a young 18 year old, but a lot of colleges have young 18 year olds that can shoot. You know, he's, he went one for 10 yeah. last year. He shot around 20%, 15% from three point land. I, I just don't see right now who's going to be the third scorer and who's going to elevate them from a 10-win team to a 15-win team. You know, it's, it's going to be tough. Is there a chance defensively because of their length that can save the day and make it at least a competitive team? Obviously, you're going to have to score enough to be able to really contend. But if they turn it around defensively, could that at least make it respectful while they're trying to figure out other options offensively? Is that possible? with their size? Yeah, I mean, Mo Gay, obviously we just talked about his defensive 
you know, expertise last year in the America East. Um, that's obviously a whole different playing field um, than the ACC, than teams like West Virginia. So he, he's going to need to step up defensively, individually. You know, he's got length, like you said, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, guys. Looks like he's seven feet tall. He's a lanky guy. Um, John Hughley's not not a very yeah. not a very good defender. I mean, I, nobody really expected him to be a good defender inside. Noah Collier's played solid defense, but I mean, yeah, they they do have some length. The guards are all big. I mean, that's that's a plus in that in that sense. You know, like Ethan said earlier, their whole roster seems to be from six five to six nine. Um, you know, Femi Odakali is a point guard. He's 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". So, you know, he could cause some trouble. And, yeah, maybe maybe they can hang in some games defensively with their length, get out in transition. Who knows? It's just it's just all going to come down to scoring the ball. And it has since the beginning with those two losses of the wings. You know, it, it just got worse. So, but, yeah, who knows? We'll see. It, it, it really became a dumpster fire before the season. It just really was bad news after bad news. Even getting notifications, you're probably rolling your eyes saying, what now? What now could possibly happen to this pit program going into this season? And going into a season, and even knowing they weren't going to have Justin Champagny, there was pressure to get moving this year. This is now another year of Jeff Capel. He's been here a while now. There's getting some expectations to try to turn this around, and we'll talk about this here in a moment. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for some that maybe wanted this to be a staple year for him, you could argue it's not reasonable to expect anything because of what he's now dealing with. That's actually now a fair argument. And then how are you going to, it's almost like you're having an exhibition season overall, which nobody wants to, to have be the case at all. Jordan Mikulowski of Pittsburgh sports. Now, Ethan Bach of WV sports. Now here is we're having a brawl broadcast to preview both Pitt and the Mountaineers in West Virginia here in their season and talk what we expect from this team this year, Ethan, what do you expect from West Virginia this year? They lose McBride, they lose Culver, they lose rebounding, they lose shooting, they lose a star, they lose a player that can take over a game. They also lost some transfer-wise. You do have Sherman stepping up now. He was having a great end of last season. He now can step up and potentially be the leading scorer for this team after being a third and fourth option early in a year ago. McNeil also able to step up. There was a point last year where the two of them were trading off 20-point games and fighting on who was going to be the sixth man. Now they're in the starting lineup. They're both able to score in these games, and that certainly could be a big year for West Virginia. But what do you expect from this West Virginia team? What is a reasonable expectation for this West Virginia team? And how do you parse that with, for me, some wild expectations of Joe Lenardi, for example, who's known for his predictions out there, bracketology, saying this could be a Sweet 16 team without a star. Is that possible? Is that dreaming? What could actually be reasonable for this team so far? And it's obviously going to be a team that Bob Huggins will try to figure out and certainly won't be shy on tinkering with throughout the year. We saw last year, he would he would change a lineup if he needs to. Certainly could happen again. But what do you think of this Mountaineers team? This year. I think I think Lenardi's prediction is it's not it's not that far off. Like okay, they have in March Madness need guards. They got right. Sherman McNeil. Bridges technically he's a guard. He's a he plays he plays the four, but he can guard um, or he can play at the guards uh, position. Yeah, but I think I think a realistic expectation for this team, like not getting too far ahead into March Madness predictions, because yeah. <laughs> very very early at the point yeah. of the show here. Yes, I I think they're realistically they're a middle of the pack Big Twelve team. Um, okay. 
They could probably win. They, I think around 20 wins is realistic, especially with their non-conference schedule. It's, it's not Pitt. Pitt is one of their best opponents in the non-conference schedule. So that says something. <laughs> that, does, that does say something, which again, that really does say something this year, even though it's meaningful um, being the brawl. But yeah, this isn't the best Pitt team. And we just talked about everything they're dealing with. If West Virginia ends up making Joe Lenardi look like the genius, some think him to be, and he's made a career of these predictions. So, hey, we got to give him his credit. What occurred? What what happened if this is a a special year for Bob Huggins in West Virginia, if they get a sweet 16 appearance or beyond contend in the conference, what do you think occurred? And then if Joe Lenardi looks like he was drinking something and this team doesn't have a tournament run. And despite Bob Huggins being the hall of fame coach that he is somehow this West Virginia season goes into the dumpster themselves, then would also had to occur maybe what what didn't happen on that negative end i think um for the in order for them to make the sweet 16 make second weekend in the tournament uh tash sherman's gonna have to take over deuce mcbride's role from last season he's he's in the exhibition game and against oakland on tuesday he he you, you'll notice he'll he'll start the plays and he'll he kind of he'll kind of run the offense like uh, mcbride did last year when kedrian johnson and malik curry aren't running the offense if Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil can stay consistent and consistently score 15 points a game each, then yeah, they'll be, they'll be, they could really realistically be a sweet 16 team. Okay. For that, for Lenardi to be wrong, they got, they got to fix the rebounding. I, we talked about this last night, Mike, they got to fix the rebounding. We did they talk about be, it on the post game show after their first game. Yes. They're they, they miss Derek Culver so much right now because they cannot, they can't get a rebound. They they got out rebounded by Oakland by 15. 15. Yeah. 15 rebounds to Oakland. That's not that's not good. So they got to they got to fix the rebounding. No, and that's a team like Pitt that if West Virginia gets cold in a game and they're also not going to rebound and they're losing the battle on the glass, that is a a, a recipe to try to upset the Mountaineers uh, for for teams like Pitt this year. Now, George, going back to the Panthers, we're talking about what's going on around this pit program. And there's so much uncertainty. I mean, there's so many questions that I don't think are going to be answered for a while. We, we almost couldn't intelligently speak on the Horton situation based on what we, we know right now and what we can talk about. And, you know, Nike Sabandi is not going to be there, but there's a wait and see approach with several other players. And of course, youth all the way around. But again, this is another year for Jeff Cable. There's been an accusation that's been proven true that he doesn't have season finish well, where maybe they were thought to be a team that could contend. Look at last year, early in the season, just Champagne emerged. Some saying ACC player of the year, and it wasn't ridiculous to say in December. That then collapses. Year before, similar thing, even though he's building up a program that kind of was left with a cupboard bare when he did get there. And even speaking with our Alan Saunders on some shows here, prior to this one, it's all about the fans and media expecting Pitt to lose certain games because the track record has been there that they're just going to be vulnerable to losing games, even games they should win regardless of who is on the roster. We've already seen that to this point this year. Understanding everything Jeff Capel is dealing with, it's very possible that even Bob Huggins, who gets the most out of his teams, wouldn't be able to win more than 15 games with this Pitt roster dealing with everything Pitt has to deal with. 
and this is a job that Jeff Capel says he wants to be successful at and wants to stay at, but how much rope does Jeff Capel have? Is Jeff Capel vulnerable of being on the hot seat this year? And how much room do you think even the fan base of the program is going to give him this year? Is it going to be an understanding of what he's dealing with this year? Or are they just going to say, look, it's been a while. You're, you're, you're not even contending in, in being competitive in some of these games. We know you're dealing with a lot, but it just has to be better. What is the situation in terms of turning up that dial or not on a possible hot seat for Jeff Capel? I mean, look, I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Jeff Capel. I mean, his buyout's huge. You can't say, oh, they're going to fire him tomorrow. I mean, they're going to have to pay him with, what, $10 million? He's signed until 2027. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, I think the seat has to be as hot as it gets right now. I mean, sure, some of the things you can't you can't control. He can't control this. Some things hasn't gone his way. You know, the arrests, right. Hughley this year, Horton, uh, the injuries, you know, some of the transfers, sure. But, you know, the combination of transfers um, due to off-the-court issues last year, um, some of those guys, I mean, they would have yeah, been Yeah, Xavier good. Johnson basically didn't – they were a relationship between the two of them kind of led to him winning. Yeah, out. yeah. Him and Xavier Johnson, Audis Tony, there was a lot right. going on there, a lot of internal issues, you know, off-the-court stuff. Right. Um, a, a lot of things, you know – that I, you don't, you can't put all the blame on Capel for not handling it a certain way. You know, nobody can really do that, but that builds up and, you know, some things didn't go his way. Sure. Some things he's definitely done wrong. He hasn't really proven himself as an on the court coach. Um, you know, people look at the offense, they look at the defense of these teams against the Citadel. They're like, what, what's going on? You know, what are we doing on offense? People, that's what fans are saying, you know, and that all on top of that is, recruiting and that was what he came to pit known as is the, the master recruiter who brought all these five stars to duke you know the marvin bagley's all these yeah, guys yeah, yeah and he sure he's gotten a couple guys he developed champagne he was good that was that was a great move by him you know who was a three-star recruit um he's, he's he had a good 2020 class with odicale collier hugley but since then, it's really been nothing. You know, 2021, they got Nate Santos late. Good player. He's starting right now. But he's not, you know, he's not going to turn your program around. 2022, obviously, had Judah Mintz, had Jalen Hood-Shafino, um, both four or five-star guys who decommitted. Mintz was today. We can talk about that. But I just think with recruiting, you know, that being his thing, Pitt fans have, have expected since he got here for him to – at least bring in these four-star guys. And maybe if he's not going to do that, if which some people, myself included, think he shouldn't be doing, I, I think he should be going after these three-star Champagne, Femio Ducale type guys. Right. And then building them up. You know, Penn State, um, hate to bring them up in, in this <laughs> environment, but Penn State, you know, signed three guys today in their 2022 class who were three, three-star guys, low four-stars. Yeah. I think that's what Capel should have came into pit looking for and instead maybe he went for these four or five star guys that even though he got two to commit to pit you know they didn't honor it they they saw that no one else was coming here with them you know so basically i i a lot of things didn't go his way a lot of things he couldn't control um but on the court coaching hasn't been spectacular and recruiting has not been what people expected from him 
So I, I'd have to say his seat's pretty hot. Yeah, well, it's easier to recruit at Duke than at Pitt. I mean, right, let's, right. let's just be real. So, yeah, when you, you – Right, Duke kind of recruits itself. It's like Alabama yeah. in football. Duke recruits right. itself. And even with Coach K retiring, Duke still is going to recruit itself a little bit. So, yeah, that is a perspective, and that's been a debate among Pitt fans for a while, certainly with Capel being there, making it so cl- so clear that I'm right. going to swing for the fences because I hit those home runs at Duke. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you did, but that's a little different right now. Maybe maybe a few doubles actually will be a better recipe for you at Pitt than to have to try for a grand slam when you're going to strike out every other at bat because, yeah, if they don't actually end up playing at Pitt, does it matter that you got them to commit and throw up a tweet one day? No one's going to right. remember that. No, that's not going to go anywhere. And then if you do have the three-star kid turn into a great player, that could then be something. He got Champagne money. So, I mean, right. that, that was a great story, really, when you look at him almost coming out of nowhere to be in a conversation for ACC Player of the Year at any point. Incredible for a three-star kid. But right. it almost seemed like it was almost an accident because Capel would prefer to have the five-star kid. But if they're just not right. going to come, they're not going to come. So yeah. it, does, it does seem like, at the very least, there might need to be a, re, a return of strategy, a retooling of strategy of sorts. But will he do that? Is he stubborn? We don't know. And then it is fair to say that I don't know who among coaches would get many more wins out of this team on this roster, but right. it is the totality of his career at Pitt. Now, Ethan, I don't have to ask you if Bob Huggins is going to be fired or not. Obviously, Bob Huggins is good. He's there. Any West Virginia fan that doesn't appreciate what Bob Huggins has brought to that program. Is yeah, just, Facebook might want him being fired. Maybe, but. but any West Virginia fan that doesn't appreciate Bob <laughs> Huggins is just totally on a, on a different galaxy that I, I can't even talk to you. The man has 900 wins. It's insane he's not in the Hall of Fame already. That's going to be a slam dunk at some point. And we have Jay Billis's words telling us that on a, on a video that we put there on uh, Pittsburgh Sports Live and WV Sports Now as well. So just search to find that. So I don't have to I don't have to ask you about that, guys. I do want to ask you. You know, obviously this is about the full season at large, talking expectations for these two teams. But just you know, a prediction for the brawl as we are recording this, heading into the brawl. This is why we're here. It's a brawl of a broadcast. It is a close-knit rivalry. I mean, we also do cover Penn State, as George mentioned, on Nittany Sports now, but we'll keep it pitted West Virginia for this one. What are your expectations for the brawl, Ethan? I mean, this is a West Virginia team that if they get cold, they could be vulnerable. But as George is telling us, and he's right, this is a pit team that is very down and out. Uh, No one really even cares about the game. Uh, I mean, (laughs) it would really be a dumpster fire for West Virginia to not win this game and probably not win this convincingly. But what are your thoughts? Is it possible W could drop this game or maybe are they going to show Joe Lenardi, Hey, we're going to dominate our rival who is struggling right now and dealing with so much because we actually are a really good team. I think uh, any rivalry game, it's 50, 50, anything can happen. Um, I do. I do think though, if West Virginia can't make threes like the other, they did the other night where they shot four of 21, Pitt will have a chance. If West Virginia doesn't box out their opponent, Pitt will have a chance. And if West Virginia can't box out this Pitt team that's going through all their, that they're going through right now, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Hugs will make sure that they, ha- they have many treadmill runs. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would imagine that to be the case, yeah. George. What are your thoughts on this game? Obviously, this is a game, as we mentioned earlier, that, and I'm sure Jeff Capel is telling this to his players, you cannot control 
everything else going on. But if you show really even almost getting a moral victory really out of this thing, like if you play well and you can catch this team, if they're missing shots, watch the tape. They're going to chuck threes. If they miss them, that's not points on the board. You then would have a chance. So if Pitt could snag this, there's motivation there. That could spark plug them into making this a reasonable season. And if Jeff Cable can start winning these games, regardless of the finish at the end of the year, that would make the program and the fan base say, okay, you're dealing with a lot. It's not going to be a Final Four year, obviously. You might not even make the tournament. But winning that game shows that you're a quality coach because you're motivating your troops. What are your thoughts, though, about this game coming in? Right. And that would mean something for sure for the players, for the fans, you know, obviously Capel's not going to take this team to the final four, like you said. Um, So a win in Morgantown this week would, would really be something. Um, And I it's, it'll be hard to do, but you know, we'll see, you know, they're, they're going to need Femi Otakawa to be a star. They're going to need John Hughley to step up. And, and if they can dominate the boards, I mean, they won the board battle against the Citadel, but they're very undersized. Um, Maybe should have won that more, though. I mean, Alan, right, yeah, no, exactly. talk, when I was talking with Alan on that post game show, I think his exact lines were they should have won it 60 to 10, instead, won it, what was it, 44 or 30? Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it was real close, but <laughs> they did right, win it. Right. So, if, if they can out rebound West Virginia, if they can, I mean, they're going to have to catch a bunch of breaks. Uh, if they can hold on to the ball, you know, press Virginia, everyone's heard about it. You know, if they can. If they can handle the ball against this West Virginia defense, yeah, I mean, if someone can step up from outside, put some sort of threat to Huggins, you know, because right now you look at Pitt and you're another coach, you're looking at Pitt and you're packing the lane and you're just stopping. <laughs> you can double team Femi Otakale and leave one of the guys open on the wing and he'll go, I don't know, even if he shoots 40% in the game, you're still going to win. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just right now it just seems like Pitt is so – so you know locked in on two guys and and so limited to just Hughley and Odekai all of this being said that it's only been one game obviously as we're talking now right yeah yeah and and the St. Francis game last year was kind of the same thing people freaked out after the first game right so it may sound like I'm doing that but I'm just saying after that game you know after everything that's happened with this pit team that's how it looks right now is that it's going to be Femi. It's going to be Hughley and they're going to need someone else. They're going to need one or two other guys to step up. And if they can, you know, win the rebound battle, hold on to the ball, those guys have big games. And then maybe Mo Gay has a nice game. Maybe he'll pose a mismatch to the other team, West Virginia. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think West Virginia is going to come out on top. If we're asking predictions, um, probably pretty low scoring. I'd take the under, I don't know what it's at yet, but. Um, yeah, I, it's going to take a lot for Pitt to win this one, but it, it certainly would mean a lot, too. There, there are some players that stepped up last year seemingly out of nowhere. If we were recording this a year ago, I don't know if anyone thought Xavier Johnson was going to be what he became. I don't know if anyone thought Tony was going to be what he became. Certainly didn't expect Justin Champagne to become one of the better players okay. in, the, in, in the conference. So all that did occur. I think the reason why people are reading so much into this early season situation for the Panthers and predicting it to be a situation where the sky falls is because it's hard to see any of that happening this year with that roster. It's hard to see those bright sights and those opportunities this year based on everything going on. 
Well, thanks, guys. Uh, fun conversation. We didn't have a, a literal brawl between the two of you. As, as this is virtual, though, so we 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 couldn't come to blows. But we got a we, Friday. Yeah, we got a brawl <laughs> coming up there on the court. So we'll see who wins that one. We got a hopes that that brawl continues, whether it be on the court or the gridiron. And kind of two tales of two different programs right now, two different teams right now. A lot of expectations on the Mountaineer, despite not having a star, who will emerge, who will potentially lead that team. And maybe it'll even be Bob Huggins doing it. Maybe it'll really be that coaching story for Bob Huggins. If, if he really does what everyone's saying in terms of predictions, that's uh, a coach of the year candidate right there. If they end up getting to where Joe Lenardi thinks they're going to get. And certainly if they do it in the regular season and impress there and, uh, George, he's going to be covering a lot of news, likely, this season, whether it be on or off the court. A lot of question marks around the program, a lot in doubt, a lot in flux, a lot of reason to say we just don't know right now until we get some of those answers. But there's not a good feeling around pit basketball. We'd be lying if we, if we said there was. So, guys, I appreciate the time. We do have the Backyard Brawl coming up just a couple days from when we're recording this. But if you're listening after the brawl, you know, their expectations – are different, but I appreciated both of you joining me to to offer your expectations on these two programs this year. So that'll do it for this edition of Mike Drop, this preview prediction expectation edition of the show, a brawl edition of the show here on Pittsburgh Sports Live and, of course, Pittsburgh Sports Now and WV Sports Now. So for George Mikulowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now, Ethan Bach of WV Sports Now, I'm your host, Mike Oste. That'll do it for this show. So until we meet again, wherever that may be. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.